Good morning. AC, AC, what's up? It is so cool for me to be here. I got to tell you, a kid growing up in the CMA uh, in Beaver County, I grew up Beaver County, and so we would come here when I was in like junior high for this thing called Global Impact. And uh, so, man, I have such affection for this house and, and love the fact that I have an opportunity to share uh, this morning. You've got a really great pastor. Pastor Allen and I have become friends, and we were a part of a group, and we meet together monthly and then, uh, you know, hang out at other times. And I just want to say this guy's the real deal. And so it's a real privilege. Alan, thanks for having me this morning. I've got family in this church. Um, so Shannon and Mike, um, they're right here, and I won't make you stand up or anything, but Mike and I have the same barber. Um, so anyway, it's good to be with all of you this morning. I would like to begin today with the reading of God's word, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, where God said this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making Away. Let me pray for us this morning. So, God, as we open up your word and as I share this testimony of who you are and how you have spoken and how you changed the trajectory of people's lives, God, I pray that here today we would recognize that this is one of those undeniable holy moments. Like when we stop and we think about what it is that we are doing right now, and you have invited us to be in your presence. And then when we open up the very word of God and you desire to speak to us, like that right there should blow our minds that you, why are you mindful of us? So God, as we seek after you today and we worship you, we continue to worship you by the hearing of your word, I pray God that you would change trajectories today in Jesus' name. We submit these things to you. Amen. So today I just want to simply tell you my testimony. This isn't going to be so much of a sermon as it's going to be a testimony. Um, so we have two different kinds of testimonies. If, if you know the day of your salvation, this is when God saved you from your sin. And you look back on your past and how you lived your life before and God radically stepped into your life and he changed you, transformed you. And you're living from that now. That is our testimony of salvation. That's not what I'm going to do here today. I want to share with you a testimony of look at what God did. That's a different kind of testimony. When it says in Revelation, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, there's many different kinds of testimony. So I want to share a story with you today that shows that God is alive, that He is active. That he wants to speak to us. And sometimes he uses the craziest ways to speak to us. And I believe that you will be encouraged by what it is that God has done in Erica and my life. So Erica and I were born and raised in the Pittsburgh region, Beaver County. For me, Erica grew up east of the city, Norwin-ish, um, North Huntington, out that way. And then we met together at Geneva College, and immediately we started dating, and we began doing ministry together. Ten years of student ministry then, and then 12 years at a great church called Northway Christian Community. And it was about year 10 of that particular role 
that something began to change inside of me. The responsibilities didn't change of being a pastor. Um, like I, I was, but something began to change in me. Have you ever experienced this? Where you just know, I like to call it, I know it in my knower, that something's coming. Something's changing. And so that's what I was experiencing. But i got to be honest with you, because of some of my past things, like I was hesitant to chase what I knew God was doing in my knower. Because I was good. I was comfortable. I had a great position. I loved it. We loved our church. We still love our church. It's still our church today. So the reason I bring this up is I wonder if there might be anybody here today who has grown comfortable. Like, think about it. You know, maybe you've got a new idea, but you're hesitant to pitch that idea to your boss because you don't want to mess up that relationship. But you know that idea could change the business. You know, maybe you're here and you've been dating her for a long time, and you know you want to commit to her, but you're afraid to pop the question because you're comfortable, right? I, every time I share that, I see elbows, you know, going, <laughs> so, right? Maybe you've been tiptoeing around the idea of surrendering your life to Jesus, right? It's one thing to come to a church service, but then the whole idea of actually following Jesus and obeying his word the rest of the days of the week that's a whole nother level, and I don't know what my buddies will think about me because I don't want to ruffle those feathers with them. Maybe for some of you here today, it's, I know I should go public with my faith, with my neighbors or my coworkers, but I don't want to mess with those relationships because they're good, they're comfortable. I know I probably should, but you see what I'm saying? We know these things, and inside of us, we get messed up. You know, and I believe that there are going to be times where God continues to mess us up on the inside until we step into that thing that he's calling us to do. It's obeying what it is that he's revealed. And if we don't obey, he's going to continue to mess with us. But here's where I've got to maybe warn us. Some of us, we step into that thing before we should. Let, let me explain. There, there are many of us, we get into trouble, and I, I'm speaking from experience here, that we move into that new before God tells us to. We, we move into that thing. So we, we experience that holy, you know, frustration inside of us, but then, you know, maybe it's a, it's a job offer. Yeah, that's got to be the one. So i got to grab onto that thing. It's the first one that came along. But did God tell you to do that? Right, you know, maybe it's that person who you're supposed to hire for a position. We, you know, they're the first one who applied. We got to grab onto that, or maybe it's that house, or or whatever it is. We grab onto that thing, but God didn't tell us to. We initiated it, so we got to be careful here. I've learned from my past failures, and then great insight from my mentors who were walking alongside of me. This principle: God's timing is just as important as His direction. So I learned my lesson this time around as I was experiencing this, and so I waited. And it was about two years into that frustration of feeling that in my knower when the San Francisco 49ers, they traded their tight end to the Pittsburgh Steelers. His name is Vance McDonald. Some of you may know him who are Steelers fans, and right immediately as he got into town, Vance began to attend Northway Christian Community where I was pastor. And after the service the one day, he came up and he said, hey, man, can we grab a cup of coffee? 
because he told me that at the San Francisco 49ers, he had a chaplain, one of the OGs. His name's Earl Smith. Love this dude. But when he got to the Steelers, the Steelers didn't have a chaplain, so he was looking for a pastor to help him out, to guide him, to shepherd him. And, and um, you know, for these guys during the season, it's really tough for them to get to any church services because they play on Sundays, right? And so I didn't get really to see Vance all that much during the season. But when it came to the off season, he came again and he said, hey, man, I've been leading all the Bible studies with another player and, and all of this, and I just need somebody to disciple me. Could you help me out? Could you get together with a few of my buddies and could you disciple us? And so we, we launched a discipleship journey together. And it was every time it seemed like in that discipleship journey when we would go around and ask for, hey, how can we pray for each other? That Vance would say, we need to pray a chaplain into the Steelers. We need a chaplain into this coming season. And every time he would share that prayer request, something would jump in my knower. And I was like, huh, what, what does an NFL chaplain do? Like I began to have all these questions. And I started to get excited about the possibility when I would ask Vance and he would say, well, yeah, this guy, just, he leads all the Bible studies with the players and the coaches and gets to preach at chapels. And man, if you, if you know me at all, I am all about men's discipleship. And so this started firing me up. I, I would go home to Erica. And I would tell her all these things. And I'm like, do you think that this is maybe the new thing that God has been stirring up inside of me? And she goes, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, you know, pray about it. Let's talk about it. I would go back to Vance and, and, um, and I would say to him, basically, I got to the point where I was getting so frustrated inside with what was next for me that I, I said to Vance, like, is this something that you think I could do? And he goes, I don't, I don't know. But why don't I introduce you to Coach Tomlin? So either way, this was going to be awesome, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I get to have lunch with Coach Tomlin. Are you kidding me? A kid who grew up in Beaver County in Pittsburgh my whole life? This is going to be great. So we go to lunch. And Coach Tomlin, I could tell he was, like, trying to figure me out. Like, why is this dude here? Does he just want to be close to these guys? What are his motives? All this stuff. I trust Vance, but, you know, all these things. And he then invited me to come to OTAs, which are currently happening in the Steelers preseason, um, you know, offseason right now. And uh, he invited me to come and hang out on the sidelines and just kind of catch it up. I got to see all the Super Bowl trophies. You know, the real ones aren't at Akershire Stadium. They're at the practice facility and I got to see them. I was so excited being a Steelers fan. And then he invited me to speak at mini camp chapel. And I preached Jesus with everything that I had at that chapel, man. I was so excited that day. And the meeting ended, you know, after, after chapel, Coach Tomlin basically said this, I'll be in touch. And so I waited. A day went by, nothing. <laughs> you know, two days go by. Nothing. Ten days go by. Nothing. Now, have you ever done this where you have actually, you felt like maybe God was initiating you to do something, and you step out in faith, but then there's that wait? It's like when we were kids, like the high dive. Right, you, 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 about, you jump off the high dive and you begin to question your decision-making skills. Why did I do this? Before your feet hit the water, right? This was that moment in the wait where I began to hear different voices. Now, before you think I'm crazy, let me explain. 
In those moments of the wait, you and I have a choice to make as to which voice we're going to listen to. The voice of truth, of God saying you're good enough. I love you. Even if you don't get this, you're still valuable to me. Or we can listen to the enemy of our souls in these moments where he begins to whisper lies thinking, who do you think you are that you could possibly get a position like this? You ain't worth anything. You can't do this. Who do we listen to? So in this moment, I began to settle back into the confusion, into the frustration. Have you been there? You know, especially when we think about things that have taken place in our past, right? The confusion that I began to fa- feel in that moment began to conjure up things in my past as the enemy was whispering lies to me, and I began to say things like this to God. Come on, God. Where are you? Have you ever asked God that question? I mean, all of us during the COVID season, we were asking that question. Why can't you just step in? Why can't you just obliterate God? Where are you in all of this? Some of you have been out of work. And you're asking God, I know you're the provider, but when are you going to step in, man? Like, we've all been at that, come on, God, moment. That God, where are you moment at some point, some way, somehow in our lives. And so, God, where are you? While I was waiting to hear back and I was beginning to get frustrated, and if I'm honest, I think I was depressed. I still had a job to do as a pastor. And as a part of my role, I then traveled out to the West Coast where we were beginning at Northway to launch a new discipleship experience. And I was going to be a part of the training where at this training, and, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but this is so powerful, um, where they, they taught us how to prayer journal. Have you ever done this? So essentially the facilitator of the training, they sent us out and they said, just follow the prayer guide where you read a passage of scripture and then you journal your prayers according to that passage of scripture. And so I just followed the instruction. And while I'm waiting to hear from God and all of these things, and I'm frustrated, it's about three years I've been waiting for God. And I open up the prayer guide. And at the very top was that passage I opened up with, Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. I read God's word and it said, see, I'm doing a new thing. And immediately I was like, I know. I know you, but when? So I was, I was frustrated, but I was, come on, God. So we were instructed to write out our prayers, and I want to I be vulnerable with you all this morning. Here's exactly what I wrote, word for word in my prayer journal. God, I'm trying to discern the new that you're doing in my life. Is it at Northway? Is it with the Steelers? Is it with both of them? Is it something else completely different? Either way, God, I need clarity, and I lay it all down at your feet because I'm anxious to know what you want for me and my family and my church family. You may have something else entirely in mind, but I can sense that you've been up to something new for a long time in my life. You can hear the frustration, right? I put the pen down, and the next passage to read in the journal was Ezekiel 37, 1 through 9. And this is the valley of the dry bones. 
If you know this passage, it's so powerful. Ezekiel 37, I don't have time to go into the whole passage here today, but essentially, let me tell you what it is. God downloaded a vision to the prophet Ezekiel with a really powerful lesson, not only for him, but for us today. Here was the lesson. God said to Ezekiel, I want you to say exactly what I tell you to say. And Ezekiel said it, and boom, a supernatural move of God took place. The bones begin to rattle. But then it goes on. God speaks again to Ezekiel and he says, now I want you to do exactly what I tell you to do. And Ezekiel did it and boom, supernatural move of God takes place and the bones begin to have flesh and they become this mighty, mighty army. And this section of scripture ends with this verse. Look at this. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. And everybody, I don't know how to fully explain this part to you. But I knew in that moment that God was speaking to me. Have you ever had that moment where the day before you read a passage of scripture and you're like, eh, if we're just being honest. Eh. the next day you could read that same exact passage of scripture and you're like, oh, this is the moment. So I, I picked up my pen and I started writing, God speak, your servant is listening. My heart began to beat so quickly and I closed my eyes to focus in and I was listening for God's voice and I heard him speak. Now listen, I've never heard the voice of God audibly, thus saith the Lord to Kent Chevalier. It's never been that for me. But all of a sudden, there was a phrase. There was a couple sentences. Like, I wasn't thinking about that before, but all of a sudden, I was thinking about it right now. And so I, here's exactly what I wrote down. This is what I felt God speak to me. Kent, just settle in. Do what I say to do when I tell you to do it. Nothing more, nothing less. That way you know it's me. I wrote it down as quickly as possible. This is the power of prayer journaling. And at that very moment, I knew something was about to break through in my three-year waiting period of that holy frustration, knowing in my knower that God was up to something. And so I wrote again, God, I have a great thing going at Northway. I'm just wondering what you're doing with the Steelers' chaplain role. Am I initiating that? And that's really important. Because if so, I lay it down and I will wait for you. How many of you know that there are times when we initiate things that God never intended for you to start? And that if you initiate them, you have to sustain them in your own strength, in your own power, with your own good ideas. But if God initiates it, he permeates it with his presence, with his power, with his provision. And so this time, my goodness, I, okay, God, I, I, I don't want to initiate anything here. So I lay it all down. And over the loudspeaker, I mean, this was a holy moment. Over the loudspeaker, they were saying, okay, everybody come back into the training room, all these things. And so I started gathering up the, my things. And at that very moment, and this is the power of prayer journaling, 1024 a.m. California time, because I've written it down. Coach Tomlin texted me. 
can you grab lunch in the next few days to talk about the position? And my hands trembled as I went to call my wife. And I said, I think I'm about to become the chaplain to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right? I was freaking out. Now, mind you, I hadn't been offered the position. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I just knew something was happening. Right? So I go to lunch with Coach Tomlin when I got back from the West Coast. And here he laid out his vision for what he wanted for the chaplain role. He said, I am looking for a local Pittsburgh couple who can pastor this team. I'm looking for the guy who can lead Bible studies for the players and and, and Bible studies for the coaches, and I want that guy to lead chapels, and and I want his wife. It would be great if she could lead Bible studies for the wives of the coaches and the the wives and girlfriends of the players, and man, I want you guys to do like a couple's ministry with these players and their wives or girlfriends, and I loved everything that I was hearing from Coach T. I was like, I was loving it. Until he said, this position's not hired by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I would like for you to consider joining the staff of Athletes in Action. And as soon as he said that, I knew exactly what that meant. Because I had known people who had served with Athletes in Action. Which, if you don't know this, it is a sports ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, a missions organization now known as Crew. And I knew that every person in that organization had to raise their full-time salaries, their their benefits, their ministry budgets. And, And I began, in the back of my mind, starting to have a conversation with God. You ever done this? Coach Tomlin's still talking to me. Somebody talking to you. I'm having a conversation with God. Going, you got to be kidding me, man. Like all this and now, now you can't expect me to leave a full-time job, like a secure income, great position at a wonderful church to become a full-time missionary? Are you kidding me? There's got to be another way. Man, I got three daughters. All the while, Coach Tom is still talking. I'm you know, here with God. I'm like, I got three weddings hopefully in my future. Come on, man. There's got to be another way. And can you see? that my internal reaction was revealing where I was actually placing my trust. My trust was in a paycheck. My trust was in a position. My trust was in a person, me, providing for my family. And as a pastor, I stand up here and I confess that to you, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but here's the thing. I don't think I'm the only one here. I don't think I'm the only one here. So the meeting ends with me cordially, because, of course, it's Coach Tomlin, you know, saying, like, okay, dude, I'll meet with the leadership of Athletes in Action and all that, but in the back of my mind, I'm shutting it all down. I'm like, no way. I go home to tell Erica all these things, and, and we, we just shut it down in our minds. We, we, I mean, bottom line, I, I don't want to step out like that. Come on, that's crazy. But we didn't shut the process down because I had given my word to Coach T that we would meet with the leadership of Athletes in Action. And so during this time, Erica and I agreed that we would fast and we would pray. God, is this really you? And so during that time, this is probably about a month's worth of time that I'm going to fit into this, um, where Erica, like we, we have, you know, our routine. I don't know how some of y'all couples do it and, you know. In the morning, I'll have my quiet time, and I'll be inside, and I've got a chair that I sit in. And she goes, in the warmer months, she goes out on the patio uh, in the back. And so we're doing this 
separately but together and and all of a sudden in the quietness and the peace of that moment of spending time with the Lord here's what I hear Kent get out here and I was like Whoa. you know so I'm freaking out a little bit I go outside and I kid you not the fern is moving and I I'm a little bit like scared thinking that it's a snake or something but I got a man up in this moment, you know, so I'm like inching over to the fern, you know, all the, like to see what's going on, getting a stick. Anyway, and as I got close to the fern, there's a bird that flew out of the fern. I was like, oh, I open up the fern and this little baby bird's nest with three little baby, you know, bird eggs. And over the next couple of weeks, as we were fasting and as we were praying, those baby bird eggs hatched. And we would hear those baby birds then begin to, you know, call to mom, you know, feed me, you know, however they sound, you know, know, chirp, chirp, (laughs) you know, and, and then mama bird would come with something in her mouth to feed the baby birds. And, and daddy bird was up on our little string lights, making sure that we weren't messing with his kids. And all of a sudden, maybe just like you are right now, the words of Jesus in his very famous recorded sermon on the mount came to our minds. And he said this, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap. They don't store away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than a bird? And as we prayed and as we walked down the process, God was taking us to school of what we were really trusting in this life. And God began to shift our hearts to practice what it is that we've been preaching all of these years, to follow Jesus no matter the cost. That's what I was preaching. And to trust in the principle, look at this, when God guides, he always provides. And so in this moment, we decided together to put our feet and our family where our mouth had been all of these years and we took the step watch this with fear fighting our faith God is this really you I'm not sure I think it is but I don't know we were afraid and together in unity we decided that we would do it even though we were afraid And so we flew out to Colorado to meet with athletes in action to sign on the dotted line to become full-time missionaries. Are you kidding me? I can't believe we did this. And this happened, watch this, to coincide with Campus Crusade for Christ, Cruise International Gathering. They do this every other year. So picture this, 6,000 plus crew missionaries gathered for worship and teaching and training at Colorado State University. And it was there that we signed the papers. We did it. We stepped out. But to be really honest with you, we were freaking out. Even though we knew God was telling us to do this, we were still nervous. How's this going to work? Oh my goodness, God. And if for Erica were up here, she'll be in the next service. Um, She would tell you that she was scared and that she was really stressed. And that night as we went to bed, man, it was a rough night's sleep. And she got up really early in the morning. I didn't even know that she left the bed. And and Erica runs, so she's been in the marathons and all that stuff. She runs to clear her head. I don't know how you clear her head, clear your head. But, um, yeah, um, in the middle of Colorado State University, Erica broke down, like crying, 
to the Lord, crying out. Like, God, I need to know that this is you. Like, confirmation, please, would you speak so clearly? She didn't tell me she was doing any of this. I just woke up, and she was in the room as we're getting ready for the next you know, that morning's training at Colorado State University. So picture this, a, a basketball coliseum, 6,000-plus missionaries gathered, and there's a round stage in the middle where the basketball court is. And so this powerful moment for us where, have you ever been in a worship service where maybe there's a painter on the side who's just painting and furiously going at it, right? Well, as the music was going, as we were worshiping, this guy way over on that side of the stage is painting a picture, but we can't see what he's painting because the back of the canvas is to us and the camera is intentionally not showing what it is that he's painting. So we're just singing and all this stuff, and as the music begins to die down, the camera then pans back to reveal what it is that he has painted, and what do you think he painted that morning? Take a look. Now, come on, that is awesome. Right? I mean... In that moment, Erica and I looked at each other. My church, Northway, they called me the crying pastor. And man, I looked at my wife and we just both began to weep. But you know what started to rise up within us in this moment as we were weeping? A confidence that God is going to be with us. He's going to provide for us. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it, right? But we were still afraid. We were still afraid, and we left that day confident, but yet afraid that God's going to take care of us every step of the way. So as I close here today, the reason that I am sharing this story is simply because I wonder if there might be someone here today who's grown comfortable. And you are trusting in a paycheck. You're trusting in a position. You're trusting in a person rather than God. And you know, in your knower, that God has been calling you to step out into something, but you are hesitating. Maybe you've been 15, 20 years of stalling out on what God has really called you to do. You've walked away from that dream. You've squashed the idea because someone said it's just too risky. It doesn't make logical sense. But you know in your knower that God has called you to do it and you're supposed to do it. I believe that Pastor Allen, without knowing what I was going to preach on today, wanted me to come to encourage you to do it afraid. Do it afraid. Man, come on. You've been dating her too long. It's time to pop the question. Commit to her. Let's go. You want it. She wants it. Let's go. Do it afraid. Man, it is time for you, businessman, businesswoman, to pitch that idea to your boss. Do it afraid. Man, Christian, if you are a follower in, of Jesus in here, it is time to share your faith with your neighbor. Do it afraid. It is time for all of us to have uncomfortable conversations with people who do not look like us. Do it afraid. It is time for you, if you've been tiptoeing, around surrendering your life to Jesus because of what your buddies might think, man, come on. It is time to do it afraid. Man, if you're here 
in hearing sound of my voice right now, it is time for you to do something for God, not just playing church on Sunday morning. Do it afraid. See, I believe that God is looking for men and women who will step out in bold faith especially coming out of the COVID season that pushed so much on ministry, pushed pause on ministry and the kingdom advancement. And I believe, especially as what I know about ACAC, I know that there are some new things that God is calling this particular church to do. Now hear me, hear me. God said, forget the former things. He didn't say that they were bad. They're good. And we're going to build upon them. He says, forget them because I'm doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and in the waiting. So I don't know what the new is for you that God is calling you to personally do. But here's what I know about God. He's making a way for you. He will provide for you along the way. His presence will go before you and his hand will be upon you. The question that I want to leave with you today, ACAC, is this. Will you follow Jesus' example and do it afraid? What do I mean? See, when Jesus saw the path to the cross, he asked God his Father, is there any other way? And when God answered his prayer, he said no. See, many of us, we believe that God only answers prayer in the way that we want it. He told his only son, no, that is an answer. And so when he said no, here's what Jesus said, okay, I'm going to do it afraid. Not my will, but your will be done. And knowing the joy that laid before him, he endured the pain of the cross He endured an awful death, but three days later, praise God, he rose from that grave. And here's what I believe, that God is calling someone here today to join Jesus by stepping out in that kind of trust of who God is and his word and his promises over your life in that kind of faith, and you're supposed to do it afraid. Why? Because God's going to use you to resurrect someone's life. God's going to use you to resurrect someone's marriage. God's going to use you to transform somebody's life, not because you're in it, but because you're going to introduce them to Jesus. And only you can do it. If you don't do it, it's not going to get done. Think about the eternal impact of what it is that I just said. It's not going to get done unless you do it. So it's time to do it afraid. But here's the thing, everybody. We have grown up in a culture that has promised us a complete strategic plan up front. That's not how God works. He's going to give you enough light to take that next right step. See, I I still can't believe that Erica and I jumped. And we're trusting God with everything that we've got. But here's the thing. We're watching our faith be stretched in ways that we didn't know we needed to be stretched. We're watching our faith be brought alive in ways that we didn't know our faith was dead. And so I don't know what it is for you. You know in your knower what God's calling you to do. So I believe that I've been invited here for somebody today to simply encourage you to trust God, to follow Jesus' example, and to do it afraid.
So let me pray for us this morning. God, thank you for this incredible opportunity to be here at ACAC this morning to hopefully encourage people with a story that you have written. And God, I pray that if there are people here today that they know they're supposed to do something and they've been putting it off, God, I pray that today would be the day that they would step into it. God, I pray that you would give every man and every woman in this place courage in the face of fear, in the face of the lies of the enemy, to step out and trust you. And God, here's what we know. You will never leave us. You will never forget about us. You will provide for us every step of the way. And I just want to say thank you for the lives that you are changing right here, right now, because somebody is actually going to take your word for it. And they're going to trust you, and they are going to obey what it is that you've revealed to them this morning. God, may you give them the courage in the coming weeks and months and years to continue to step out in that faith and trust you with everything that they've got. We love you, and we give it to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Love you all.